Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. From Samaria now to where God is leading him. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. And Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this, same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Verse 38, he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again, but get this, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north in the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there, and in every town along the way, until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have a purpose for your word being communicated this morning. And I pray, as your scripture says, that your word never returns void, but it always accomplishes that which you set it out to accomplish in the hearts of your people. So do it this morning, I pray. Lord, I thank you for the privilege I have to be used by you to communicate your word, anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart, that I might speak your word the way you want it to. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. The title of my message is Right Place, Right Time, Right Thing. Right Place, Right Time, and the Right Thing. Because those three things are very important in this story, but even in our obedience to God. And in verse 26, we see that the angel of the Lord instructs Philip where to go. Not in great detail, by the way, but in enough that Philip can obey the word. So the angel would appear. Now, there may have been a special reason for sending an angel to communicate this, because why couldn't the Spirit, you know, Paul in the book of Acts says, you know, in a vision I saw this, but in Philip's case in our story, there's an angel that gives him the instruction saying, go. And you see, Philip, we said in Samaria, he's in the middle of revival. There, there are people being saved, healed, delivered, and all this is going on. So 
we could maybe kind of picture that he's preoccupied with ministry in Samaria. And so perhaps the only reason God chose to use the angel to give him the message was because it was a little unusual. And so to see the angel and for the angel to communicate, it would have guaranteed grabbed his attention. And so the angel gives him the instruction on where to go. And it, it took something unusual because it was uh, something that he didn't expect to see necessarily in his ministry in Samaria. And he tells him to leave the crowds and go down to a seldom used back road. So everyone say this, right place. God is going to speak to you and God will lead you to the right place. And it's important that we are ready and we are listening because he's going to give instruction. Now, I'm not saying he's going to spell out every detail either because he didn't tell him why. He just said, go. And you see, my natural inclination would be, but for real? Like we're, we're in the middle of revival, like stuff is happening. How can I leave at, at such a time like this? And it's interesting that God would, would almost break up the ministry that's happening and call him out. But it's important because if God is leading him in the right place, then there has to be a purpose, right? So we have to understand if God's going to communicate something, I should be listening carefully. Can we say amen? I got to have an ear to hear. And the desert, the instruction was for him to go south down the road towards the desert. Desert also means deserted, abandoned, desolate. And so here the emphasis is that the area was largely uninhabited. So why would I leave a place where God is on the move and go to a place which is deserted and like, Lord, there's nobody there. Lord, there's nobody there. It doesn't make sense. Why should I go? But we don't see Philip questioning the Lord. What do we see? We see his obedience. Remember, our obedience affects the lives of others. And so he's at the right place. As God is speaking, he's going. And to go there must have seemed unreasonable. And the angel revealed nothing about God's purpose. So it's not that those details were spelt out. So why, the question is, why would God interrupt the leader of a revival? Right? Why would God interrupt and, and I could only say this, point number two is the right time. The right time. Point number one, right place. Point number two, the right time. Because as soon as he starts on his way, Scripture tells us in verse 27 and 28, he encounters this Ethiopian eunuch. And there's some interesting stuff about this Ethiopian eunuch. He's a man of great authority and power. And he has prominence. He has wealth. He was in charge. He would have been in charge of the queen of Ethiopia's treasury and all the, of the disbursement of her funds as well. So he had access to funds. But we find him here. He's on his way back from where? He went to Jerusalem to worship. And so right place, but now it's also the right time. You see, this wasn't just a, a by chance Philip happened to cross paths with this, this man. No, this was a, an ordained uh, meeting that they were having. 
And this eunuch came a long distance to get to Jerusalem to worship. And our understanding is that though he was a God-fearing Gentile, because he was a eunuch, he could only go as far as the court of the Gentiles in Jerusalem. So he couldn't even go where, the, where God's people could get to, but he could only go as far as the court of the Gentiles. But it shows us that there was something in him that was hungry, that there was a stirring about his journey, that he was hungry for God. He was a God-fearing Gentile. What's also interesting is the fact that we find him reading a scroll from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The interesting thing is, you know, it's not like going to uh, Agape right here on Steeles or Amazon and getting a Bible in two days. They had to, the scrolls were transcribed by hand. And they were very costly, as you could imagine, to the point where um, he probably didn't just have one scroll with him. If he did this journey, had access to a lot of money, it could have been that he was buying a few scrolls as well, bringing them back just to give us an idea of his prominence, of, of the wealth, but also the hunger that he would have had for the things of God, though he didn't understand a thing about what he was actually reading, but he had the word in front of him. So it's something interesting to note. Another uh, side note is to understand the value, monetary value of these scrolls. It was said in those days that one synagogue would, would gather all of their financial resources to buy a copy for their synagogue. And then they would lock it up and they would pull it out for the school of the synagogue. So to understand, it's not just, you know, oh, here are a couple of some books, you know, or here's a book that he's, he purchased on his way back home to bring as a collectible. No, this was a prized possession. He paid a lot of money, which many people couldn't pay for. And he's driving in his chariot. Right place, right time. And this is God's doing as well. And what we see happen now is... Right, The angel just gave him a very broad instruction. Go south down the desert road from Jerusalem heading to Gaza. You know, not specific really, but God is about to get even more specific for Philip because the Holy Spirit speaks to him in verse 29. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. And you see, oftentimes in our obedience to God, He'll give us one step to take. My question is, are you willing to take the one step even if you don't have a full understanding as to why God would be telling you to? Just asking. Because you see, it took Philip, it took his obedience to start on the way. And as he's on the way, now we see the Holy Spirit is directing him. Not the angel anymore. The angel just gave him one specific thing. You know, there's revival happening. You need to leave because it's, I'm sending you to the right place at the right time. And our obedience, oftentimes, it's not on our time. It's on God's time. It's an important detail to not overlook. Because Philip could have said, okay, God, I'm going to finish my five more nights of service because we're in revival. You, surely you understand, God. You're doing great things here. But Philip's obedience was timely as well. So my question for you is when God speaks and you're willing to obey, are you willing to obey on his time though? 
It's sometimes God's going to speak a word for your future, but sometimes he's going to speak a rhema word, which is a word now that you have to act upon, a rhema word. And so for Philip, he obeyed. And as he's on his way now, still not knowing, still not understanding fully, now the Holy Spirit begins to lead and to guide what he's going to do as he's there. And so the Holy Spirit tells him, run beside the chariot, go up to him. Why? That's my question. Why? Like my kids, right? Daddy, why? Why is this? like, Daddy, why? Why? Well, we can ask the same question as we read the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see the bigger picture. Because if he wouldn't have ran up to the chariot, he wouldn't have heard the, the Ethiopian eunuch reading aloud. And by the way, in those days, it was common if you were reading that you would read aloud. So it's not like, well, that's a bit weird. No, this is what they would have done normally. So God wanted Philip to hear. Well, we, we read the whole story, so we know why. And we know what happens. He gets saved. He gets baptized in water. We're going to get to that this morning in a bit. But if Philip would have not listened to the Holy Spirit, he may have never got close enough to actually hear what was happening inside the chariot. It's interesting to note, right place, right time. And you know what I love? As he gets close, verse 30 tells us that Philip begins to hear the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. But Philip is the one who initiates the conversation. And he says, excuse me, do you know what you are reading about? And I just thought, what made Philip ask the question? What made Philip ask the question? We don't know for a fact. All we know is that he's an evangelist. By the way, we're all called to win souls. And as we go about life, we have to look for opportunities to share the gospel. We have to have our antenna up. People won't. They might say, I, I don't know, someone, I bought this book. I don't know what it's about. I'm trying to understand it. We have to have our antennas up that we can perceive, oh God, you sent the angel to pull me out of Samaria to bring me here. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This Ethiopian eunuch is reading the word. It's my, not just any word. We're going to get to what he read again in a second. But it, but it was directly linked to Christ. And by the way, what he did for us as we celebrated Easter last weekend. And so Philip, who is an evangelist, takes that opportunity to, from this point, beginning with this scripture... He preached the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. Listen, we don't even know his name. But I want you to know, God cares. I might not know your name this morning, but I want you to know you're in the right place at the right time. Can you say amen? I don't know your name maybe, but I want you to know that God could have orchestrated this morning that you would be here for a specific purpose because he cares about you. We are not given this name of this Ethiopian eunuch, but you can't deny that God cares for him. How do we know? God took Philip out of revival to bring him to a place where man says is deserted and uninhabited to bring him there to meet one person, the value of a soul, right place, right time. And I wanted to say point number three, the right thing. Right place, right time, the right thing. 
You see, as they were going through all of that, we get to verse 34. Actually, I want to read to you verse 32 and 33. We can put it up there because this is the passage where he's actually reading. And, and from this point, Philip responds with the right thing. And so the passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So listen, Philip asks him the question, do you understand what you're reading? But look at verse 34. The eunuch now asks Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then verse 35. So beginning with this scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Everybody say the right thing. The right thing is important. The right thing is important. You see, because you might have opportunities to share the good news of Jesus, but if your antenna is not up, you might not give them the right thing. They might be the right place. It might be the right time. But if you're not ready and willing and being obedient to what God is using you for, you might offer someone the wrong thing. What do I mean? They might be telling you all their problems, and all you're saying is, oh, I wish they would just stop because lunch is almost over and I need to grab my coffee. Oh, you know what? Oh, I feel so bad. That's horrible. I hope it gets better. Do you want me to buy you a coffee? Come, right? They're actually saying, communicating that they have a deep need. They need hope, maybe. They need healing. Maybe they just need prayer. And you could completely bypass the right thing and replace it with the wrong thing because you're missing the opportunity that God has presented. It's, the order is important. Right place, right time. And then the third one we said is the right thing. And I'm going to, we have this on the screen, I'm pretty sure, but you can have the right thing at the right place, but at the wrong time. And it's still the wrong thing. Right thing, right place, but at the wrong time. It could be the right thing, the right time, but you're in the wrong place. You see, it's important that we are obedient and we allow God to use us. And it could be the right time, right place, and as we just said, the wrong thing. So it's very important that we get all three right. Right place, right time, and the right thing. And once Philip is obedient and he sees, and beginning with this, he now preached the gospel of Jesus, the good news, how do we know that something happens in, his, in this Ethiopian's life? Well, it's very simple. He sees some water. Hey, guys, think about it. It's the desert. How common is water? <laughs> think about it. Right, ta right place, right time, right thing. And he goes, hey, <laughs> there's some water here. And it's interesting that my Bible, NLT, omits verse 37. So it actually goes 36 to 38. But I do want to read at the bottom, there is a footnote which includes what some manuscripts uh, omit or include. And here's what it says. Um, 
If it's Philip answered, or sorry, let me read verse 36 in context and then 37. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Verse 37, which is omitted, says this. You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then verse 38 finishes by saying, He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And so we know that God did something great in his life in that one encounter. And, you know, you might have grown up in a Catholic church, perhaps, where they sprinkle a baby. I just want to take a moment to explain why we baptize the way we do. Our baptismal tank is right behind in the back there. And the word baptized in the Greek is baptizo, which means immersion or fully immersed. And so I told everyone who I'm baptizing today, I said, your hair is going to be all wet. Don't worry. Um, You know, if you want to block your nose, you block it. But you are going under the water and you are raised to new life in Christ. This is the symbolic picture of baptism, that I'm dying to my old self and I'm raised to new life in Christ Jesus. And we see this happen with, the, with this Ethiopian eunuch. And you know what's amazing? Is that we already said he was a man of prominence and power. But guess what? When he's baptized and comes out of the water, Philip's gone. But it says that he was left rejoicing. And I want you, want you to take note this morning. Your money can't buy you joy. Maybe it could buy you happiness. Maybe for a little while, but it's fleeting. Happiness comes and goes. But the joy of the Lord, nobody can take away from you. I want, I want to declare that today. And this man leaves rejoicing. This morning, we rejoice with those who are getting baptized. It's, something, it's a joy that nothing else can give you. And we celebrate as a family of God today. You see... Prominence and power don't give you joy. Only Jesus can give you a joy that no one can take away. Secondly, your obedience affects the lives of others. And so it's okay to allow God to disrupt your life. Can I hear an amen? You might not be happy because you might be in a place which you call comfortable. But that doesn't stop God. Be obedient when he speaks, even if it disrupts your flow. And then thirdly, as we sum up and wrap up, you're in the right place at the right time for the right thing. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.